Hello friends, welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. Today's episode will be a mishmash of various topics from navigating, pushing out of your comfort zone, to facing and dealing with fear, to the healthy use of anger and the power it carries, to fighting perfectionism. There's a lot here that can be applied to everyday life, but I will be approaching it more from a spiritual use, but yes, a lot to discuss. Here we go. We're going to kick off with a conversation about the comfort zone. During times of transition, it can sometimes be difficult to determine when something is in alignment with your inner being and this higher path that you're embarking on, and when it's out of alignment, because things that feel good may feel that way because we're used to doing them, and things that feel bad may feel that way because they're new and unfamiliar. It can be very confusing and creates some very murky waters. Something to keep in mind is this. When we're pushing out of old cycles and stepping into new territory, we're required to do new things, right? You can't approach things the exact same way and expect to change. You need to adopt new habits and approaches, going with the flow and trying to move in synchronicity with whatever new territory you're tiptoeing into. In other words, you have to tread through that murky water, even if that voice in the back of your head is saying things like, oh no, what if there's an alligator? Or, oh no, you're going to drown. This is your ego keeping you safe, but after talking about this topic a lot at this point, we know that the ego actually prevents us from moving forward into new land. So the key to transformation is not listening to that little voice and reverting back to old ways to appease it, but rather saying thanks, but no thanks, and continuing anyways. Fear comes when we're doing something new. It doesn't always mean something bad, despite how terrible it feels. If you get a sense or feeling that brings in a wave of anxiety or fear, it's not your intuition. We've talked about this before. So when you feel, when you get a message and you feel a wave of anxiety, that's usually a good sign to just do whatever it is you're about to do because it's new <laughs> and that's exciting. Especially when going through a spiritual awakening, fear is something that everyone experiences and must face. I feel like that's the big number one main hurdle. When we feel scared or anxious, there's a physical response of muscles tightening. We may hunch over a little bit. Energetically, we actually have etheric wings that emanate from the middle of our back, and when we're scared, these will also tighten and like close around us. Rather than allowing your body to go inside of its shell like this, like a little turtle, and continue to promote that fear response, you want to imagine those wings opening up behind you. As they open, you're flooded with so much love and golden light, which will naturally encourage your posture to straighten, your shoulders to sit back and down, and it forces you to reclaim your space. It's a really great like little psychological trick. Try it. Highly recommend. It's very effective. It does take time to trust it and yourself, especially if the fear is something that's very rooted in your being. It's a deep fear. But it does help begin resetting that fear response. Another thing that happens when we're in a state of fear is our ego tries to protect us by going through all worst case scenarios to ensure we're prepared and more likely to survive whatever life-threatening situation it thinks is happening. 
When we give in, it can become a very self-destructive storm as we kind of lose grip with reality a bit and just go down a rabbit hole. Slightly off topic, but there's a theory that part of the reason some people like darker things like horror movies, murder documentaries, that sort of stuff, is because psychologically we're able to get a sense of what actions and approaches would or would not ensure our survival should we ever be in such a terrible situation like that, which in turn offers a sense of relief to the body and mind. It's like a weird method of exposure therapy, which is interesting. Anyway, for some people that don't feel comfortable or safe regulating their emotions amidst fear or working through slash fighting the fear, things could escalate to the extent of them becoming a bit agoraphobic, feeling a bit stagnant. It could turn into addictions to substances, alcohol, food, etc. as a method to kind of numb it away. All of those methods are all coping mechanisms and are obviously not in our best interest. We gotta fight that fear dialogue. Those inner dialogues of being separate from everything else, not being in control and being inadequate, will just continue to persist. To get past the fear, you need to face it and you need to overcome it. It's a lot smaller than it feels. It's like, I feel like I've used this example before, but it's like, it's like a little ant casting this like huge scary shadow. Just like with anger, which we will talk about shortly, sitting with the fear and feeling compassion for it are your superpowers. When fear creeps in, understand that what you're feeling is not the truth, but a trained response by your ego and your nervous system. It is a natural protective mechanism that puts your body essentially under a trance. It's like putting it under a spell. Observe and reflect on what beliefs are in the fear. For example, coming from a spiritual per- per- <laughs> my goodness, my words. Spiritual perspective, let's say I'm someone that just opened up and I'm feeling scared to connect to the energy around me. I will observe that fear and realize that at the root of it are beliefs saying that I'm weak, I'm not equipped to deal with the energy, I'm not in control of my environment or the energy around me, I'm going to get possessed by a demon, and I'm going to die. (laughs) Observing where that fear is in my body then, I realize that I'm beginning to hunch over a little bit, my arms and legs, let's say, are starting to feel weak, and I'm feeling like a lot of butterflies in my stomach. And this is where I feel the fear the strongest. You'll want to ask your guides and loved ones to be with you and engulf you with love. You can visualize your spirit team encircling you. It doesn't have to be exact, just envision like energy people standing around you. Their energy is getting stronger, bright, and golden as a golden energy bubble flows around them to completely engulf you in a powerful surge of love and protection. You'll want to feel that love to your core. Put your hands on the area of concentrated fear. So in this example, it would be in my abdomen. Feel the love flowing into that part of your body. Understand that you're safe. Make the decision to be safe and stand in your power with all your energetic loved ones around. You'll want to take a deep breath and let that fear go with each exhale. You're just, it's like a nice little breathing meditation where everybody's just engulfing you in this protective bubble. They've got your back. That love is just infusing in your body and pulling all of that fear out. It won't 
go away immediately necessarily, but it does kind of help you take control over your body and breaks that spell. This also will help you observe the fear while maintaining a separation from it. You don't want the fear to become your reality, but rather see it as it is, which is your ego panicking, and see how it moves through and out your body. You have to get out of your comfort zone in order to understand the power you have and how in control you actually are. So by doing this, it kind of helps you move past that weird little transitional time. Another thing that helps me move through fear a lot is to find humor in it. Uh, There was this really freaky energy that used to come around me every night when I was a teenager uh, for like a couple days. It scared me really bad and I would huddle with my head under the covers until I fell asleep. It was just very like ominous and uh, I don't know. Like it felt like it was trying to provoke me. Like it just was feeding off of my fear and it was just not not cool. Finally, a day came where I was like, okay, I've had enough of this. I just want to sleep. This needs to leave me alone. At this age, I was very fresh into my spiritual opening up. So I didn't know I could literally just say, leave me alone. (laughs) So instead, I decided to face him and overcome the fear by looking for something funny about him. I don't remember too well what he looked like, but in the darkness, I remember seeing these like sharp teeth. He had crazy hair, big wild eyes. He looked like a, like a, crazy clown thing. So this one night when I was going to bed, I felt his energy come. I took a moment to really observe him and what I was looking at, and I realized how funny he looked. His teeth were just like a bit too big for his mouth, and his hair and eyes made him look like a like a mad scientist. I don't know. It just didn't fit a monster. (laughs) The feeling that I was getting did not fit what I was seeing. So I forced myself to start laughing, um, and in doing that, it was like the strangeness of how his energy was portraying himself actually became funny, and I was actually laughing. And then he immediately recoiled back because he had no fear to feed off of anymore. He shrunk away, and I never saw him again. I will still use humor in that way anytime I feel uncomfortable amidst energy, or even a situation. Like, I, I just try to find something off about it, um, and it kind of puts the power back in my hands. It's a very effective tool to quickly raise your frequency up. A heavy energy cannot be in your space unless it is an energetic match to you, so by wholeheartedly raising your frequency, you shine your light everywhere and make it impossible for a shadow to appear, because it is all just lit up. Like in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, If a spiritual awakening is Willy Wonka's factory, the ego is that weird guy from the rival candy company trying to get the kids to, like, bring him a piece of candy to copy it or whatever he was doing. (laughs) That's probably not the best example, but (laughs) the ego can be in your face. It makes you uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean anything. You have control. You are the one that has access to the candy, not the ego. It's trying to get it from you, but it can't. The goal is to have the curiosity, excitement, and trust to fully surrender to the path you know in your heart. Your ego may be kicking and screaming, but that's all it does. It can't affect you unless you allow it to. Observe, let it go, and do it anyway. Whatever you really want in life, you want because it's in alignment with you. So go and get it, and that's that. (laughs) 
Dancing is also something that immediately pulls me out of a fear cycle because it forces you to like be present in your body and physically claim your space. So I also recommend that (laughs) if you need a burst out and dance moves, highly recommend. (laughs) Once you move past fear, you kind of process it, get it over with, send your body love, all that good stuff. It's common to have little aftershocks of anxiety as your ego's kind of pulling on your sleeve and asking, you sure we're safe? Are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure we're okay? Because I feel like something sketchy's there. It'll kind of just be nagging at you um, and may, yeah, just cause like aftershocks of anxiety. If that happens, do not look for something to be wrong just because you feel fear coming in. Stay present and centered in your body. Perhaps take a moment alone to send that part of you love. But do not look for, do not manifest that out. It's just your ego. You're in control. You're good. A nice way to begin practicing not giving into that fear is to only do things when guided without anxiety. When you receive a message that causes an emotional or anxious response, do everything in your power not to honor it. Only honor it when it is grounded and matter of fact. For example, If you feel the need to put something away because you received a rush of anxiety that it could fall and break, don't move it. If, however, the message feels very second nature, very calm, then only then go for it. This allows you to begin trusting that grounded part of yourself and not give your power to that anxious ego. So much of our society is run off of fear. We don't leave a job in fear of not finding another one or making as much money. We don't leave a relationship in fear of not finding another person to love us in the same way. I don't know. There's a lot of little fear dialogues going on. Even healing has such a focus on pinpointing what we're afraid of and moving through that so we can offset the fear. We manifest this and this just natural, like societal, fear-heavy operating has manifested a bunch of messiness for us that is scary and daunting (laughs) as what we're seeing right now this is all conditioning face that fear and have the courage and respect for yourself to step out of it and embrace your power you create your reality not the other way around by honoring that you begin shifting the world and the chaos we have created (laughs) regarding anger There are spiritual communities that express the importance of feeling only good feelings. Toxic positivity is something that has come to light a lot lately, but it's all just about balance. Wow, I said that weird. (laughs) You You don't want to stay too positive and repress your emotions, but you don't want to get stuck in despair either. We're human. Humans have emotions, and that's okay. It's what we do with them that matters. Anger in particular is an emotion commonly frowned upon due to it having the potential of escalating to chaos and destruction, but there's a lot more to it and it can be a very powerful tool for us when channeled with intention, compassion, and care. The key to anger is to take it slow, breathe, tame it, send that part of yourself love and compassion, and then focus it into taking positive action. You want to avoid it, letting it go you want to avoid you want you want to avoid letting it go uncontrolled there we go as that can turn into aggression and you'll only hurt and sabotage yourself not good there is 
there are various types of anger. There is fear-based anger, which I feel like honestly is at the root of all anger, but there is fear-based anger. Um, when it's in a very anxious form, then it'll have a very like quick to pounce, like aggressive kind of energy. Examples of this are when a person is afraid that they aren't lovable and they respond with like jealousy and anger anytime their partner spends time with others. Um, like they may like throw stuff. It's like angry outbursts, you know? Or perhaps when someone's afraid of not being good enough or that they won't amount to anything. So they have like abandoned their dreams and talents or stay stuck at a really like toxic job environment. And so they're just like angry all the time and grumpy and kind of aggressive and don't really let people in because they haven't honored their own boundaries, you know? Then there's a grounded calm anger that knows what needs to be done and does so in a controlled, motivated way. An example of this would be, let's say there's a misunderstanding and someone does something catastrophic, so you quickly take action to fix and neutralize everything. It's like you just get things done, boom. There's no crazy outbursts, no yelling. It's just focused. When something triggers anger in you, you want to take a moment to sit in the feeling and reflect on it or hold a conversation with it. What type of anger is it? Is it a little bit more of that like anxious, ready to pounce, or is it a little bit calmer and more grounded? Are you scared of something? Do you feel violated? Why? What boundary was crossed? What actions need to be taken immediately? And which need to wait until you calm down? The trick is to be honest with yourself. That's the big one. <laughs> Not allowing the fear or anxiety to overtake you. From here, Try to understand the other person's perspective or point of view on the situation to better balance it out. Often things seem a lot bigger when we hold all of the emotion, but expanding our understanding to those around us opens the door significantly to why things happened as they did, what went wrong, and the best approach to ensure things can progress forward in a healthy way. An issue doesn't just spring out out of thin air. You need multiple factors at least two, <laughs> to have an issue. So understanding both sides or all the factors involved helps neutralize that imbalance. This is also the key to operating from a place of infinite compassion. I feel like this little practice itself is probably one of the hardest for a lot of people. So give yourself some grace if you're, if you're trying it. An important thing to keep in mind is by doing that, viewing compassion for all sides involved, you are not disregarding your feelings or saying that having your boundaries crossed is okay. Absolutely not. What it's doing is beginning to open up a bridge of honest, grounded communication because you're not operating from a me versus you state. You're operating from, there's an imbalance. We're all in this together. Let's figure this out. We're all one, just in our own little simulations of reality. So expanding your understanding to those other simulations offers a lot of understanding and healing because you realize that nothing is ever personal. There's usually a lot of factors involved in things. Anger can also be a buildup of pressure or buildup of energy that has been trying to move or process out but is stuck and is just kind of squirming inside of you. When we constantly neglect ourselves and don't honor our needs and desires, this will create a flow of unhealthy life force energy. We are essentially pinching ourselves off from source energy. 
So that unhealthy energy builds and builds until it begins to overfill. It has no way to leave and no healthy life force energy coming in to save it. So it's just building until we begin to overfill and we begin to feel constrained, stuck, frustrated, resentful, and angry. Since this type of energy usually is due to a lot of uh, suppression, this buildup of energy can manifest as anything from toxic relationships to alcohol or substance abuse issues, aggression, uh, sex addictions, being a workaholic, depression, etc., we also often begin projecting that bottled-up pressure out onto the world, which results in beliefs such as humans suck, the world is an unforgiving place, no one loves me, all those things. Once you break that bottle, you don't want to just open it and pour it out. You want to break it, <laughs> break it, and allow that energy to move and decompress. Once you do that, it often quickly dissipates as do your heavy views of the world and any blocks you have placed around you. You will notice usually that resistance eases up a lot and things begin working in your favor pretty quickly. You just have to let it go. Fully breaking this bottle and releasing all of this unhealthy life force energy will require observation, perhaps unraveling the source of, the, or pinpointing rather, the source of the anger, putting more trust in yourself and your environment, or putting more trust in others. You will learn to trust that the people you surround yourself with aren't coming at you with personal attacks. You know, they're not there to fight you, but are struggling with their own inner demons. It's not personal. However, to begin easing the physical response of anger, that surfacy anxious anger, you can do things like exercise, dancing, meditating, walking, gardening, screaming into a pillow, punching a pillow, vent aloud, vent on paper and burn it, etc. These do not cure things. This kind of helps open the bottle up. You, and then to break it, you need to work through the anger to overcome it and fully release it. But these help kind of get you into a mindful state so that you can begin moving forward in the process. It's essentially allowing you to get rid of that like surface tension so that you can really focus and not let it overpower you. As always, when reflecting, you don't want to get lost in the feelings that come up. You want to maintain the role of a neutral observer, simply taking note of the sensations as they flow through you, crying or whatever that is necessary to release it, and then letting it go. It requires a bit of separation, as if you're observing someone else's memories and sensations. You don't want to get lost in the story or the dialogue, because it's all a fabric of our training and history, which we're trying to reset and release. This practice really trains you to control your anger, let it move so it doesn't get stuck, stay centered and grounded, then take appropriate action. Fear is a response to separation. When we wall off a certain part of ourselves, we forget our power and our connection to all there is. It turns it into an us-versus-them scenario where we feel out of control or in danger, but that's only because we're walling off a portion of ourselves. We're literally like, half of me stay over there. We're like creating this. It's an illusion, not a truth. Anger often pinpoints what area is experiencing that separation where we've walled ourselves off so that we can heal and release repressed feelings. 
When we keep things down, they become very pressurized and overwhelming. This is why we need a process to prevent it from getting to the stage of anger. But if and when it does come up, we get a better idea of what needs to be healed. We know what areas we feel we are lacking in, and we are encouraged to honor ourselves and our bodies more. Of course, it's a process. But the more you listen, accept, and process, the more you work through that and keep your life force energy flowing nice and clear, keeping your opportunities and abundance open. It does take time, and it is a, it is a circular process, just like healing. So things may resurface. But that doesn't mean that you're doomed and, like, you failed or, um, yeah. When things resurface or repeat themselves, we often feel frustrated at ourselves for allowing it to happen or, like, we feel like we were kind of let down by our guides and stuff. But it's usually just because it's, it's a circular process. There's still stuff there that needs to be processed. A great example of this is a very... This is kind of a heavy story, but when I had started college, I was tricked into a situation by someone I thought was my friend where I was taken advantage of. I was able to stop it before things kind of escalated more, but I was really upset at myself for blindly following back into a situation where I was like sexually assaulted. What was more confusing is I knew he was deeply in need of psychological help and I really wanted to help him, but I was struggling with the reality of the manipulation he had done to get close to me and force himself on me. It was very upsetting and very confusing and I was trying not to go back to that headspace of like, I'll sacrifice myself to help you. You know, I was trying to honor, it was just very murky. Rather than stoop in the frustration I really reflected on both sides of the situation and understood that while it hurt a lot and was very confusing and frustrating, I deserved to be loved and cared for rather than scolded and judged by myself. Anger can be used as an opportunity to reset and refocus on what you want, but turning that anger inward is incredibly damaging. You've been through enough. Your body needs some love. In this way, anger can really teach us about self-love. If we see it as a sign of something out of alignment and take action to correct that, there is nothing more powerful than standing up for yourself and standing up for a boundary that has been crossed. We deserve a free, easy, safe, abundant life, and sitting with and conversing with that anger to understand what went wrong, what you want, what you can change, really sets you in that direction. There is a fearlessness in anger. When we've had enough and that fire builds up and allows us to, like, stand up for ourselves, you know, it's really powerful. It connects you to your nature in a way as it reminds you that you have power and you are in control. Like, it really just makes you present. When I'm dealing with a hostile, like, stubborn spirit, sometimes I'll use anger to kind of really set my intention grounded in my body and stand strong to tell it to leave me or whoever alone. This isn't an aggressive form of anger. It's just a very, like, it's like a fire, you know? When you sit with anger and really talk to it and befriend it, you soon find that anger is not good or bad. It's a neutral tool. It's what we do with it that matters. One epiphany I had revolving around this, which encouraged this episode, (laughs) occurred a few months ago in September. I'm still in school, and I had an essay due. It was a beautiful paper. I was so proud of it. It was phenomenal. I'm a straight-A student. I don't mess around when it comes to learning, but this one in particular, I was like, damn, that was good. (laughs) 
Um, a few days later, I got my grade back. He sent me an email with some critiques. And the grade I had received was a C. I was absolutely appalled. The critiques he gave didn't really make sense. I didn't understand the relevance of them. So it was clear that there was a misunderstanding between what was expected of me in the assignment and what I thought that I was expected of. I kind of have an issue with authority a little bit. Since I was a kid, I remember in sixth grade, I had gotten in trouble. I don't know. My friends had gotten in trouble and like I got in trouble too just because I was around them when it happened. And so I got tied into the punishment and I was not having it. So after recess, we had like a reading period and I called my teacher to talk to me out in the hallway (laughs) because I was not going to get punished. So I've always kind of, I've never been afraid of authority or to stand up. So I was channeling my younger self and decided that I was going to talk to my professor about the grade. I don't like holding things in, so I was kind of stressing out about, like, should I send him a message now or should I just talk to him during class tomorrow? After contemplating it, I felt it was better to just wait for the class in the morning so that we can just, like, properly talk it out instead of me being all emotional about it. So rather than allowing this frustration to, like, make me feel out of control and just, like, I don't know, rather than letting it take hold of me, By uh, assessing and really, like, standing in my power and saying, like, no, I'm worth a greater grade. Like, I don't know. It was there was something very powerful in it that did not feel aggressive, but it, like, lit a fire under me. I felt motivated and excited, like how you feel before doing a competition or something. It was a very focused, passionate energetic kind of movement which I hadn't felt in place of anger before it was very interesting and all throughout the day I kept seeing repetitive numbers which is always my sign that I'm in alignment literally everywhere I looked there was a 333 444 555 1111 etc literally everywhere all throughout the day I felt there's this like I felt something very powerful beneath me it created this intense focus He didn't change my grade on the essay, but we had a great conversation, and it really shifted my approach and view of the class, as well as allowed me to let go of perfectionism, which I've been really trying to work on, and focus instead on the journey. The grade is not what matters, but what you take out of it that creates lasting effects. This takes us into the last topic for today, moving through perfectionism. Perfectionism manifests itself in various ways, such as rechecking things over and over, obsessing over details, apologizing for doing tiny things incorrectly, spending way too much time on little things, all that stuff. That's all perfectionism, which causes us to get in our way and prevents us from making the strides we have the potential of making. Last semester, I was taking an English class and found this article on perfectionism from the University of Michigan that really kind of started making me rethink perfectionism. So I'm going to share the tools that it mentioned in the article as well as just what I do to help me. With energy work, Putting a lot of pressure on yourself to tap into things correctly results in a lot of resistance because you're pushing and forcing yourself onto an energy, kind of panicking that what you're receiving won't be right. 
which muddles your connection. Then everything goes awry. (laughs) The key is to simply allow it to come to you. You don't go to it. You set the intention and allow it to respond. It's a collaboration. That's a big key to connecting to energy. Working through perfectionism and other aspects of your life will allow you to naturally approach energy work in a more carefree way. So to do this, you'll need to be aware enough of yourself to label perfectionist thoughts as such and have the strength to adjust the dialogue to shift it. Those are very important things. When you have a thought, for example, I look like a mess today, I don't want to go out and people to see me like this, or I'm such a failure because I missed a deadline or I got to see, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Name it for what it is, a bit extreme, <laughs> and then rephrase your statement into something that is going to help you, that is constructive. Something like, there is so much going on in the world, the way I look is the last thing people are worried about, and I can always adjust the way I look tomorrow. It's not set in stone. Or, missing one deadline or getting one seat is not going to be a catastrophic, life-altering moment. It is highly unlikely that this will have any effect on me next year. When you kind of open up to the bigger bigger picture, it takes a lot of that pressure off of you, because then you start to be able to see how silly thing is you know it takes some work and it may be worth kind of weighing the advantages and disadvantages of your original thought in this new one but the more you can really kind of rephrase those it really helps the way that you approach stuff depending on how serious your perfectionism is it may be worth setting time limits on how long you work on something to prevent you from overthinking give yourself permission to play more don't focus on the outcome but on the journey instead Take more breaks, even if you have to force yourself, just so you have time to, like, breathe and just be present. Treat yourself with little gifts or snacks or whatever, just because. (laughs) And learn to view criticism as a suggestion rather than a label of failure. Criticism comes from opinions and trained understandings and such. They're like sprinkles. Some people like star sprinkles, while others like rainbow ones or even purple ones of various shapes and sizes. People give you their sprinkles that they love and use all the time, but it's ultimately up to you which ones you put on your cupcake. Them offering you sprinkles is not a sign that your cupcake is terrible and like an abomination, (laughs) but they're just excited for you to decorate it because they've always decorated it with their sprinkles and they're giving you theirs, you know? Don't push yourself to reach goals that are extreme or you'll fall into an all-or-nothing mindset, which is a recipe for disaster. It causes a lot more anxiety and it's just not good. Keep your goals simple for a little while. Focus on the necessary and release the unnecessary. The less you overwhelm yourself, the more you get out of it because you can really cherish the moment. So rather than focusing on being perfect, enjoy and push yourself to explore new areas. As you go, keep asking yourself if what you're doing is in alignment with your goal or rephrased belief. If it isn't, let it go and do something that is. It's really easy for us to go back to habits and begin going overboard to concern ourselves with pleasing others, so stay aware and keep checking in with yourself. Also, don't get stuck on how you think things should be done allow yourself to explore and push yourself in new areas, staying excited and present throughout. We are in an expanding universe. There are always new ways of doing something, so allow yourself to find them. 
if competition is something that kind of gets in your way a bit, beginning to notice the value that everyone around you has is very powerful and kind of pushing out of that. We live, again, in a very abundant, expansive universe. There's plenty of winning to go around. See how everybody around you is winning in their own little way. Be so excited and then see how you're winning too. It's like you're all just sharing some little bursts of abundance and winning and prosperity and it's so exciting. So good. (laughs) All right. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for being with me. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you're having a wonderful week. I will talk to you next time and happy holidays. I hope you are all doing well and happy and I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about what I do, visit channelwithamber.com. For future updates on the show, to give some feedback on future episodes, or to just connect, follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. Shout out to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time.